This is a HeadGum Podcast. In 86, Anna Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time Babysitter's Club Tanner, let's jump right into it. Let's talk about this book. Fine. Excited to, man. Good, because we just spent the last hour or so catching up uh, with these headphones on and these microphones on. You needed to first take care of Cyril while your wife ate dinner, Mm -hmm. and then your wife and I sat on the microphone for a while while you put him in a stroller and scooted him around the kitchen to get him to sleep. Yeah, how do you go to sleep? I just usually lay in bed and have six beers. <laughs> I mean, I have six beers and then go lay in bed. I don't have them in bed. Well, that's not how Cyril goes to sleep. Cyril goes to sleep by... Have you tried giving him beer? <laughs> no, not yet, but <laughs> we'll see. Right now, Cyril goes to sleep by crying very loudly and angrily that he's uh-huh. not asleep. And then his servants put him in a stroller and he likes to be strolled around the kitchen island because the kitchen has tiles that make like kind of a bumpy uh, uh, effect on the stroller. And he likes to be pushed around the kitchen island for about five to ten minutes while he listens to white noise. And only daddy can do it. Okay. Not mommy. She doesn't do it right. She doesn't do it right. Does um and I imagine you can't take Cyril outside for a stroll because it's um five degrees there like it is here in New York, right? It's sixty. Negative sixty <laughs> with wind chill? Is that what you mean? It's sixty degrees. I went out I'm I'm wearing my you can't see, uh, but mm-hmm. I think you can imagine I'm wearing my jorts today as I do every day. Uh-huh. Um and as I did today out in the, the beautiful balmy Austin winter. I wore um Fleece-lined compression tights that I usually wear while running. Uh-huh. Um, under jeans, under a heavy winter coat with a hat and gloves and a scarf because it is um, five degrees here thanks to something called bombogenesis. Ooh, that sounds stupid. Tanner, that's not what we're here to talk about, is it? You don't want to talk about the weather? I want to talk about death. Oh. <laughs> I want to talk um, to you. Are you feeling okay? I guess. About the Grim Reaper. Um, okay, man, we'll get through this together. Uh, how much time do you have left? Just like tell me what, how you want me to raise Cyril. I want to talk about the thief of souls, the ravager of time, the hooded one. Well, he kind of wore. Do you mean the? Are you we're, now? We're talking about the PlayStation One game, Soul <laughs> Reaver, right? No, because no. he kind of wore like a cowl up around his neck and mouth. Not really no. a hood. No, we're talking about death himself. The, he who comes for us all. The, the dark one. The big the big nasty. The big nasty. Because that's yeah. what Anne wanted to talk about this week. The dark sleeper. At night. The boy Tanner, the boy in black. Every night when Mimi Yamamoto, Claudia's grandmother, goes to sleep in the farm upstate where she moved and hasn't been in these books since because of that, she worries. And she dreams about death. And today, for the first time ever in a Babysitter's Club book, we witness that death. First time we witness a human death. First time we witness a human death. Because as we know, Louis, unfortunately. Too fucking soon, dude. Sorry. First human death in the Babysitter's Club books, Baby Nation. Can you believe it? Yeah. 
Thank God Mimi Yamamoto is a long way in upstate New York and, and didn't hear the the rumbles of what afflicted Stony Brook this week. Right. And we know we we've we know death. Marianne's mother died, Abby's father died, but we've never we've never had to witness it. We've never had to be there for it. Yeah. It's never it's never affected us so personally. Until today. Because things are coming apart at the seams. The factions are warring. The babysitters are under siege. And now we have our first victim in the great war that leads up to the fire at Marianne's house. Um, But before we talk about that, maybe we should introduce the podcast. Fine. Hi, hi. Hi. And welcome to the Babysitter's Club. 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 I'm Jack Shepard. My name is Tanner Greenring. And we talk about the classic novels by the Princess of the Prince of Town, St. Annabelle, Matthews Martin, Stormborn, Soul Skinner, Mother of Clocks, and Bane to Bats. First of her name, last of her kind, last hope for humankind. Specifically, Tanner, we talk about her great sitter's cycle. And this week, we are going to talk about a book within that sitter's cycle that is called Marianne and the Memory Garden. Um, And I thought it was very good, if troubling. The book. The book. I thought it was very good, um, if troubling. Good. I'm glad we're on exactly the same page. And, Tanner. I thought it was good, clean, not babysitting fun, because it was. I don't actually think there was l- literally one scene of babysitting in this book. No, there's there's babysitting that happens at a distance, and I think that's deliberate. It's It happens remotely in California. Oh, sure. The DeWitt kid gets his... Also, like, Anne, Anne, Jonna, Malcolm, you couldn't think of another name other than DeWitt? Yeah. It's taken. It's, yeah, this is, I don't think I got that, confused. It, spoilers for this book, Baby Nation, it was written by the entity. It was co-written by the entity known as Jonna and Malcolm. They've been on um, a soul journey for some time. They've been oh, and they did a good job peyote and mushrooms, and they've been wandering through the desert searching for for the one soul within the two of them, and they found it, and they came back, and they decided to pen <laughs> another Babysitter's Club book. Um, and they did a good job. They did a very good job. I have mentioned this before, Tanner, but... We we have we haven't been that easy on the entity over time. We've we've criticized some of their 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 choices that they've made. They've made a lot of bad choices. But a thing that we've noticed as they've honed their craft and got better and better is they get better the closer they are to death. Right. And I think that maybe something about who they are and what they've experienced. Like they they have both experienced the death of their own mortal bodies as they became one. As they as they stopped being the two people that were Jana Beecham and Malcolm Hillgartner and became the entity that is known as Jana and Malcolm. So they understand something about death. And right. in the first book where they kind of got it together and, and, and wrote something that was from their hearts and that was good was Claudia and Crazy Peaches. Which had baby death in it. Where... Anne was like, hey, could you write something about um, Claudia's Aunt Peaches gets uh, gets pregnant? And they were like, yeah, but the baby dies. Right. And that was... Was that, that, was, was that maybe the last time we heard from them? No, the last time we heard from them was a book called Christy and Mr. Ma, where oh, we're Anne Watson. was like, can you write something about how Watson Brewer uh, has to work from home for He a becomes few like weeks? a fun, wacky, stay-at-home dad. And they were like, yeah, but he has a heart attack. <laughs> he almost dies. 
Um, and then this week, wow. Wow. They just fucking killed somebody. They did a great job, but I don't want to give them too many accolades because they couldn't come up with a fucking new name. Uh, Jonna, Jonna, Malcolm, we already have a DeWitt family. They live in Stony Brook. Why did you create you can't a DeWitt just invent family in new... California? I, I was so confused. I was like, oh, are these are like are they cousins? Are they, is it is this the relatives of the DeWitts who live in California? Nope, just another set of DeWitts. It's sloppy is what it is. And this is this was always our criticism with John and Malcolm. They did sloppy work. They don't keep a character bible. Yeah, they don't care about the character bible. They're so They don't know how to relate to other human beings because they're so inhuman. They're laser focused on what happens after the death of the body. Right. You know, like they, they're like, like what are name? We criticize them. We're like we called them. We're like Jonna Malcolm. You guys know that the, the Dewitz is already a name that exists in the Sitters universe, and they're like, "What are names? Names are temporary. Names are for the living." You have names on this plane. Yeah, <laughs> John and Malcolm, a fantastic job on the merits with this book, but a poor job with the with, names. With the fucking names. Just naming that family something other than one of the 15 names that have already been assigned to families in these books. Yeah. Hey, Tanner, you want to do a little hey, role hey, play man. with me? Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I thought you might. I was thinking we could try. I'll be like a, I guess like a school principal and you be sort of like a delinquent kid. You haven't like turned in your homework in okay. some time. Uh, Mr. Shepard, I am uh, very disappointed in your performance lately. I don't care what you think, Mr. Jenkins. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> um, I was actually thinking of something specific. Oh, okay. I was thinking that we could try to inhabit uh, the writer's room whereby this particular novel was dreamed up. What, at like Scholastic? Back at Scholastic. What I would like... <laughs> like so, so set the scene. It's New York City, 1996. New York City, it's 1996. Friends is hot, like a new, hot new show on TV. The Goo Goo Dolls' Iris is blowing up the charts. Yeah, um, a movie from 1996 is in theaters. <laughs> and a couple of crazy Scholastic lawyers with their flannel shirts... Uh, well, they have flannel shirts tied around their waist. <laughs> yeah. And, the, and, and they're wearing, suit, like, Stussy t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Uh, are sitting around the writer's room. The entity known as John and Malcolm is chained to a table. Uh, so at this point, in 1996, are they an entity? Or are they two separate people? I believe at this point, they have, no, they have become one. Okay. I'd like for you to be one of the Scholastic Lawyers. Okay. And and just pitch pitch concepts for this book to me, the entity known as John and Malcolm. All right. Is Anne here? Anne's oh Anne's always always present. She's like a she's like the watcher. She's the watcher in the dark. She's silent, but she's always like there on yeah. the dark She's just side like she's just like she sits in complete stony silence and then occasionally just writes down one word on her little <laughs> notebook and then stares. But doesn't back show at it to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> And no one can make heads or tails of her weird cryptic language. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> I'm a Stony Brook lawyer. It's 1996. I've got a cool bowl cut. Don't you mean a scholastic lawyer? 
<laughs> yep. I'm a cool scholastic <laughs> lawyer. God, that's hard. Huh? <laughs> yeah. You and I always make that mistake. We always cut it out, Baby Nation, but we always make that mistake. <laughs> All right. I'm a cool scholastic lawyer. It's 1996. <clears throat> Let me just get in the... What? I'm going to do this. Okay. He's standing up, Baby Nation. He's standing up. Uh, oh, he's oh he's turned his chair backwards. He's put on a Stussy cap. Yeah, he's uh, wearing he's, like a cool puka shell necklace, a Stussy cap. He's written one of those cool S's. Yeah, those S's that kids onto, write onto a piece of paper that looks like I don't know, like you do three lines and you do three lines and you make an S out of it. I'm I feel like I'm in the '90s. Yeah, I'm listening to um, Primitive Radio Gods. <laughs> Good. All right. I um, am an abomination. I put my Sony d- Discman down. Yeah. Take off my headphones. Yeah. Entity, John M. Malcolm. Uh, for some reason, Anne brought you back in for this one. Right. Really excited to have you here. We're very excited to do our work. <laughs> I've got a lot of ideas for this one. I just wanted to kind of throw some stuff your way. I feel like we can... We can really um, engage with the kids on this one. We can really sell some ads against this one. Um, I want to do something fun. I want to do something light. Uh, and thought you guys could probably have some fun with this one. I want to pitch some stuff your way. I want to see what you guys think. I want to see if you guys can can do anything with this. Um, the kids are learning about Shakespeare. Yes. Good. At school in English class. Good. Marianne and her new friends, um, Amelia and okay. Gordon okay. and Barbara. A Shakespeare. a Shakespeare. They're in like a Shakespeare club. It's a Shakespeare club at the school. Listen to this. Tell me what yeah. you think. What's yeah. your name? My name? Yeah. Is Tyler um, Oakenfeld. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Paul, Paul Oakenfeld's my brother. Yeah, no. <laughs> He's really starting to take off in kind of the Euro Okay, listen to this. Scene. It's coming to it's coming to us, to we, to to the entity. <laughs> uh-huh. It's a Shakespeare club. And the children learn about the moments of Shakespeare's death. They learn how he died, what he felt in the moments of his demise, and they think and they muse upon the passing of his soul. And then all the children die. All the you, you all the you want let yes. me you want all the kids in this English class to die. Yes. Huh. Huh 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 huh. I'm gonna capture that. Okay. I think that's I don't think there's any we're all brainstorming here. I don't think there's any bad ideas. I'm no gonna write that ideas. down. But no I wanna I wanna I wanna move on to the next idea, see if we can generate something a little more playful, a little more fun. Okay. A little more kid oriented. Mm. California, Dawn Schaefer, the babysitter out there. Brings a bunch of kids together in the neighborhood to collaborate with this garden project mm. where they take an empty lot and turn it into a garden. Yes, we see it now. We see it now. Dawn and the children. Sorry, uh, are you saying dong? <laughs> Dawn. <laughs> Dawn. Okay. Dong. I'm furiously scratching out dong <laughs> and I'm writing dawn. Dawn. Okay. Dawn and the children create a garden as a project. Hey, Anne. Should we maybe think rethink the name because it sounds an awful <laughs> lot like Dong. You you do you do Anne. You you have the Anne impression. <laughs> Anne solemnly looks down and writes a single word in her notebook. <laughs> I see. We see it now. Dawn and the children do a gardening project for the community, and they bring a gardener in 
to help them, and the gardener dies. <laughs> and then the children die. <laughs> and all the plants die in the garden. Now, okay, I'm going to stop you there, Jonna. I love it. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to move yeah. on to the next idea. Dawn, as we know, is obsessed with the environment. She's obsessed with renewal. She's obsessed with rebirth. Mm, She's mm. obsessed with life, with the Mm. living, with purity and growth and green and nature. Um, And I think this book, we really want her to do like a really fun sort of cleanup project. Mm. You know, we mentioned this old lot. Let's have her clean that up. Let's have her bring some revitalization, like life, growth, birth. Mm, I'm having trouble following you, but you carry on. That, I mean, that's it. Like, let's let's meditate on that for a little bit. You know, like okay. I, I think she could. I think she could like plant a garden. She could bring some kids in. Like, she could bring new life to okay. this empty, dead lot. So, envi- you know, I think we've been focusing on death a lot, but I think we can focus on bringing new life to this lot. Okay, I've got it. I've got it. Environmentalism. Mm. All of the recycling people and all of the garbage people. And, come to collect all the garbage, and, right? To clean it out. And yeah. All of the people. I like the direction the, this is headed in. Plant trees in California. Yes. The nursery workers have died. <laughs> and Dawn tries to take their place, but she works so hard that she dies. <sighs> um, God. Marianne makes a new friend called Amelia. Amelia dies. No. <laughs> Jana and Malcolm. <laughs> that's our final offer. <laughs> I guess that's the least that's the least offensive one we could do. We're working on it already. <laughs> you guys work on that. I'll get some uh, Anne, can you Anne? work on these other four plots? Anne, do you approve? Say nothing if you approve. <laughs> Jana and Malcolm are gonna focus on the Amelia storyline. Anne's on board. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> There you go, Baby Nation. That was a peek inside the writer's room. That was a peek inside the writer's room, 1996. Uh, which may be strange for them because we haven't described this novel for them yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think we essentially just did. <laughs> um, here's what I think. I think we should describe this novel. I think I should describe it, and I think I, I should put 60 seconds on a big bad clock and have you describe it. What do okay, you say? Here's what, I think that's a great idea. I need to go grab a beer first. Okay, fine. Fine. You say goodbye. Fine. You say goodbye. Goodbye! Hey, Tanner, let's describe this fucking novel, for the love of Christ. You do it. I do you it. You do it. I'm going to describe the book. You describe the book. Fine, I'm going to. Baby Nation. And then, Jack, special yeah. treat to you, I'll do it. Oh, just for me? Yep. Will you do the Baby Nation a favor and leave the uh, your de- recording device on so they can hear it as well? You know why I'll do it, Jack? What? Because it's your dang birthday. It is my dang birthday. Thanks for not, remembering. Not today. And not when this episode comes out, either. It's not today when we're recording, and it will have been long past <laughs> by the time this episode comes out, but yeah. happy birthday. Thanks. <laughs> My treat to you is a description of this book in 60 seconds. Awesome. That's lovely. And I'll, I'll just do your description as in, like, a as told to. Let's see. When is for this the baby Nation. coming out? Probably on Monday, the... Right around, like, Monday the... Right around the 24th okay. of January is when this episode's coming out. Mm-hmm. I think Good. that's a Wednesday this year. Fun. 
I don't know why I know that. I guess the 24th is just kind of a significant date to me for some reason, but it's not important. It's not It's not meaningful to me. No. It so be. 24th, 22nd, 23rd. So it'll come out the 22nd probably. Who knows? Yeah. And then the 24th, that's, you know what? Oh, I figured, I just realized what January 24th is. I feel like a fucking idiot. Yeah. It's uh, 15 days after my birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, let's describe this fucking book. Happy birthday to you, by the Happy way. Happy birthday to me. Yep. Am I Great. missing something? No, 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 no. You yeah, seem no. upset. Jay, um, I guess Martin Luther King Jr. Day is the 16th, or the yeah. 15th. Oh, yeah, sorry. That's important, too. And then something, let's see, the 24th, no, no, uh, yeah, no. No, nothing? Look, no. if it's not coming to you, I really want to move on. Ah, there's something, but it's not a big deal. Okay, well, why don't you just fucking out with it? Nah, it's okay. You go okay. ahead and do your description. All right, fine, I'll do my description. Is it you, Is it Jamie's birthday? No, December is hers. Okay, well, happy belated birthday. It's exactly a month after Jamie's birthday. Is that what you were hung up on? Happy birthday, Jack. Happy birthday, Jamie. Yeah. Got Happy it. Birthday. Oh, you know whose birthday is the twenty fourth? Neil Who's? Diamond's. Neil Diamond. Yeah, and don't, Mary Lou Retton. Don't you share a birthday with Neil Diamond? Y- yeah, I actually do. Well, happy birthday, Neil Diamond. Okay. Happy birthday, Neil Diamond. I am going to describe this fucking book. Okay. And I'm going to begin now. A world-renowned Shakespeare scholar, a celebrated veterinarian, a philanthropist, beloved by her family and her community. These are all futures that Mary Ann's incredibly kind and immensely talented friend Amelia Freeman can aspire to as soon as she's finished school. But she won't finish school, and she won't see any of those futures, because she's dead. Dead as leaves in autumn, dead as night when the stars go out, Dead as her ambitions and her dreams and her incredible kindness and her immense talent. Dead as the hollow sound Marianne's fist makes when she pounds on her friend's coffin in an anguish of grief and an agony of sorrow. Dead as hope. This is a story not about life, but about the memory of life. About a future that will never be. A garden that will never grow about death and its aftermath. This is a story that will break your heart. Marianne and the Memory Garden. <sighs> Man, powerful stuff. What were you? You were watching YouTube videos? Nah. I can see you, you know. Nah. Do you want to talk, um, talk about what you were doing? I wasn't doing anything. Okay. Well, you know what? A thing you could have been doing. Would I was have listening been, to you. Would have been paying attention to my beautiful and heartfelt description of this difficult hey. and tragic novel. You should, yeah, that's what I was doing. Okay. He's, he's holding his phone up. What's what's oh, on the phone? You can see that. Nothing. So now he's just look. What are you looking at? Do you want to fucking tell me? No, I don't want to tell you. Okay. Well, I'm ne- looking at the lyrics to My Chemical Romance's The Black Parade. <laughs> Because I, I thought I'm... it would be relevant. When I was a young boy, my father took me he to... He took me into the city to see a marching band. He said, son, when you grow up, yeah, would you be the savior of the broken, the beaten, and the damned? That's a lot to ask. He said, will you defeat them? Yeah. Your demons and all the non-believers mm-hmm. and the plans that they have made? 
because one day I will leave you mm-hmm. a to, phantom. Yeah. To join. To lead you in the summer to join the Black Parade. To join the Black Parade. Yeah. I thought maybe I could do th- just do the lyrics of this as my recap. <laughs> but I don't actually think it's all that relevant. <laughs> I mean, it's somewhat relevant, right? That like the demons are attacking Stony Brook. Somebody's got to lead uh, the citizens out of the darkness. Maybe it's going to be Amelia. She's dead. Yeah. And though you're dead and gone, believe yeah. me, your memory will carry on. That's beautiful, Tanner. We'll carry on. We'll carry on. We'll carry on, Tanner. I. It is my belief that uh, there are some people who may not know what happens in this book, even now. Despite all of this. Despite all of this. uh, And it is your job, lowly podcaster. God, I'm not ready. I don't want to talk about it. It's sad. to you to tell them. And I have further bad news. Mm. The the big bad clock that I use to time you as you you do your description, Mm -hmm. uh, it also has an app on it that makes it sound like a hairdryer. And it's been pressed into service to make a sound like a hair dryer so my child Cyril couldn't go to sleep. Now, I have a question. Yeah. I have several questions. Mm-hmm. Doesn't your computer have a timer? One. Two. <laughs> don't you have a hair dryer? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll start with two. Uh, and it, I'll give you a two-part answer to that. One, no, I don't. <laughs> two, if I did, I wouldn't put it in his crib <laughs> and turn it on to help him sleep. Okay. But it is okay to do that with an iPhone. I've dug up another big bad clock. I am going to put 60 seconds on this big bad clock, and during those 60 seconds, you're going to describe this novel for the Baby Nation. Are you ready, sir? (sighs) I'm ready. God, I don't want to talk about this. All right, I'm going to begin now. Amelia dies. She dies. She gets hit by a drunk driver. And... Do you want to t- tell the Baby Nation what else happened in this book? What's going on with Dawn? Tell us what's Dawn, happening with Dawn. There's an empty, there's a derelict lot in California in her neighborhood. And a kid called something DeWitt punctures his hand on a nail and has to get a tetanus shot. Yeah. And Dawn and, and her friend Sonny decide to turn it into a garden. And time. We're just going to work through this. This isn't, we're off the clock now. The, Dawn builds a garden in an empty garbage lot. You want to talk about Dawn? that? No, it's Dawn. Do you want to talk okay. about that? The, the fucking We Heart Kids Club are, are negligent babysitters. Dawn is the fucking worst babysitter in the world. The We Heart Kids Club is a disaster. Eric DeWitt, this child, Eric DeWitt. Eric who, DeWitt says to Dawn, I'm going to go hang out with my friend. Dawn is ba- babysitting lives, for this child. He lives child. a block and a half away. Yeah, yeah, he's, she's babysitting for this child. He says, I'm going to go hang out with Bobby or whatever his name is. And Dawn's like, fine. Yeah, fine. Get out of here. make sure you walk through the derelict lot full of like broken glass and rusty nails to get there. Dawn is a professional babysitter. For the We Heart Kids Club, she babysits for this child, Eric DeWitt. During her babysitting of this child, he walks through a garbage dump and falls onto a broken nail. 
Don's like, is there a derelict lock full of broken glass and rusty nails between you and, and his house? <laughs> and Eric's like, yep. And Don's like, fine, go ahead. He comes back and he's like fucking bleeding out on the bathroom floor. Yeah. Don is like, Don, here's what Don says. Yo, what ha-? She's like, what happened, Eric? And Eric is like, I was jumping over a pile of boards in the middle, and I guess I caught my shoe on a piece of wire. The next thing I knew, I was falling forward. I put out my arms and something jabbed into my hand. A big nail. A bet it was a rusty nail, Don murmured. Eric nodded. He's fucking literally bleeding out at this point. Eric nodded. Whoever owns that lot ought to be sued or something, Don grumbled. It's a dangerous eyesore in the middle of a great neighborhood. Like, yes, Don, the problem is that the abandoned garbage dump where you let the kid that you're babysitting <laughs> play. <laughs> play you let like all your, play in your and babysitting charges play in an like, abandoned dumping ground. Practice gymnastics. Yeah. Like, the problem is that it's a fucking eyesore, and not that, I don't know, like, don't let the kids fall on nails. Don't let kids, don't, hey, Don, don't let kids play their idiot. Like, if I, if, if I were Mrs. DeWitt, no relation to Mrs. Different, DeWitt. Yeah, different Mrs. DeWitt. If I were Mrs. DeWitt, and I knew that was going to happen, I would save myself a lot of money and just leave my kid in the garbage dump. Yeah. And not hire Don and the We Heart Kids Club. Don, you're a fucking mess. She fixes it. Yeah, she fixes it. She turns the lot into a beautiful secret garden. Which gives Marianne the idea. Marianne, Tanner, you didn't describe this book, and I understand why, because you're full of grief. Hmm. Um, but we do owe it to the Baby Nation to tell them what happened. Don't tell me how to grieve, Jack. I'm not telling you how to grieve. You just said I owed it to Baby Nation to tell them what happened. We do. Don't tell me how to grieve, Jack. This isn't... We each process in our own way, Jack. Christy, like, turned it into... She she got proactive. She tried to solve this problem. She started a Stony Brook chapter of sad. Marianne uh, dealt with it in her own way. She mourned and she grieved and she, she turned Amelia's memory into a beautiful memory garden. I... Refuse mm-hmm. to, to describe the book. Yeah, but you do that every fucking week. But that's how I grieve, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take this away from me. Don't tell me how to feel. Fine. Fine. This is a professional podcast. This is not a medium for you to exercise your grief. It's a medium for you to describe what happened. This is, this is literally the only thing that we do here is describe for our listeners what happened in these books. I know, and I do it every week, but this week's different, Jack. I lost Amelia. Amelia died. She wasn't a close friend, but she was a friend, a She's, new friend. She seemed great. She was cool. She seemed really lovely. I thought she had babysitter potential. I thought she had babysitter potential. They, she Joanna, was taken from us. Oh, my God. Let's. you want to hear her last words? Let's hear her last words. Oh, they have the best fucking idea. They have the best idea. They're doing a Shakespeare. Their teacher is trying to get them interested in Shakespeare, and so they all do projects. Mm. And th- the idea that Amelia, Barbara, Gordon, and Marianne have for their project is fucking awesome. Yeah. The idea it's- is a gossip column. Sorry, the well, it's I- a newspaper. The idea is a newspaper yeah. uh, from the time of Shakespeare, uh, talking that's sort of talking about everything that's going on in Shakespeare's time. Uh, they print one of his sonnets, maybe one of Edmund Spencer's poems. We've talked about Edmund <laughs> Spencer before. How rich. Um, we talked about Epithalamian. Oh, how rich. On this very podcast. They and- do um, reviews. Yeah, reviews. Theater we, reviews. We could even do an Elizabethan hints from Heloise, Amelia exclaimed, with advice on how to repair a thatched roof or what to do if you get a run in your tights. 
Very fun. Very fun. Very funny. These are her last words before she dies. We agreed to have our next meeting over the weekend. As the group walked out my front door, Amelia turned around and smiled. I'm really excited about this project. You guys are the best. And then her fragile life is cut short by a drunk driver on the way to a fucking, oh, they're going to a, like a fun family Olive outing Garden. to go to Olive Garden, where if you're, if you're here and you're not dead, your family. family. <laughs> but if you're here, if you don't make it here because you die. Yeah. You're, you're, you're not. a family. Your and family's if, torn apart by immense grief. Yeah. And if you're here and one of your party is dead, you will not be seated. No. You need a full party to be seated. Yeah. Garden. <laughs> yeah. Certainly in New York. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, Jack, I don't want to talk about this book. It's too sad. Let's talk about something else. Should we do? Here's what we can do. Well, I've got, I've got, I've got a couple. Th- I've got a ton of things I want to do. But maybe let's just talk about our grief, man. Let's get into it. Marianne deals with grief in a typical way, but a destructive way. Yeah, Marianne. I, I feel like Marianne is setting herself up for destruct. I think she's become very destructive. Yeah. And this this is some this predates Amelia's death. Even before Amelia's death, Marianne is already having these sort of destructive impulses. And I feel like this is all leading up to the Great Purging Fire at the end of this series. They reference it, right? There's some foreshadowing. There's some foreshadowing in this text. Did you capture it? I captured some. I'm curious what you captured. Here's what I've got. I've got two I've got two pieces of evidence uh, that back up your claim. One is the following passages. I'm going to put away the decorations today, I announced. So soon, Sharon opened the dish towel drawer and deposited a frying pan inside. I just realized that's, that's some fun fun refrigerator, refrigerator play. play for later. Yeah. I waited until Sharon turned back. It's gross that she, like, sets that up beforehand, like, in front of her kids. Yeah, it's like you're, if you're, like, prepping for your, like, debauched evening of, of fun and frolicking with your husband and your daughter is right there. Yeah. I mean, whatever. So, you know, you do you. Just be safe. Just be, fucking be safe. Right. Um, we're sex positive here. Do what you want. Refrigerator play all you want. Just be safe. Well, while we're talking about refrigerator play. Did you catch some? Yeah. You want to role play it? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Let me get into it. Do you want to explain to the baby nation what refrigerator play is? Or stove wrestling? The Well, we call it, stove wrestling is their term, and I don't want to take that from them. Yeah. We're not a part of the community, so I feel like we can't really use the community's terms for it. <sighs> it's like how you're not supposed to say daddy if you're not part of the like sub-dom community. Carry on. I'm just getting into the role. Uh-huh. So we shouldn't call it stove wrestling. That's their term for it. <clears throat> <clears throat> from our outsider perspective, we call it Refrigerator play, which is something that um, Marianne and Don's mother, Richard and Sharon Spear, engage in. It is their kink. It is their uh, how they get off. It is their form of lovemaking. They cannot finish unless they are doing some kind of weird non-sexual act in um, the refrigerator or some other part of the home. Ding dong. Um... Uh, I need a little more, uh, Jack. Jack, I need some more setup. Who just, am I? Just go with it. Okay. Ding dong. Hello, it's me, Tanner Greenring, <laughs> host of the Babysitters Club Club. Oh, hello, uh, Richard. I oh, it, I don't. I'm not familiar. I, with... I think you have the wrong address, ma'am. Sorry. <laughs> I'll try the Pretty next door. Close, slam. <laughs> Ding dong. Uh. <clears throat> 
<clears throat> Hello. Um, uh, sorry. I know that's not a. I know that's not how you people usually answer the door, uh, <laughs> like they're answering a phone. But I'm just so nervous. Uh, hello, uh, hello. Did somebody order a hairdresser? Um. Y- uh. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> it's me. It's Sh- ma'am, right? It's me, Sharon. Yes. Uh, I mean. Yes. Your hairdresser. May I come <laughs> oh, in, okay. Richard? I mean. Yes, please. Uh, whoever you please are, please set up your gear over here. Oh. oh. I see your uniform. I are you a milkman? By I day? am a milkman. <laughs> I'm taking a break right now. Well, why don't you take a, a seat next to the refrigerator and I'll start cutting your hair. Makes sense. It's a tiled floor in here, <laughs> easy to sweep up. <laughs> why don't you open that fridge a little? <laughs> also makes sense. Very warm in here. It'll help cool down the room. Okay, now there's is- a lot of uh Body heat. We can do a little ASMR for our listeners now. <laughs> I'm I'm cutting your hair. Snip, snip, snip. Wait, is this something? Is that picking up? Not I'm, for- soft, I'm softly ruffling a Kleenex right yeah, in the mic. It's not doing. It's I like watching it, but it's not really. It's not really picking maybe up. Maybe if I tear it. Nope. Nothing. Oh, there again. Oh, there we go. Oh, that. Oh, uh oh, uh oh. <laughs> There it goes. Um, let me put these scissors down in the fridge, and let's walk over uh, to where you keep your milk. Uh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is it the cupboard? Yep. Sometimes I keep it there. <laughs> when my wife doesn't put the milk away in the right spot. Fade, fade to black. We'll let the audience imagine the rest. Yeah. Shall I read? Erotic music swells. Fade to black. <laughs> I'll just read the passage for you. Hey, I'm never, never not going to be uncomfortable participating <laughs> in fridge play role plays with you. Sharon, on the other hand, is pretty disorganized. She's been known to put the milk in the cupboard and the scissors in the refrigerator. Her style of housekeeping is relaxed at best. <laughs> Um, it must be relaxing to have that much weird king sex <laughs> in your house. Wait, no, there was a reason I was reading this passage, and we got pulled into a role play. Um, mm, mm, let's talk about it. What was it? Oh, Gosh, yeah. What was oh, it? fuck, no, it was dark. It's about how the fucking everything ends in fire. I'm going to put away the decorations today, I announced. So soon? Sharon opened the dish towel drawer and deposited a frying pan inside. I waited until Sharon turned back to the sink and then moved the frying pan to the cupboard. There's a lot of my father in me. I wish we could keep them up forever, I said, but if we wait any longer, I'm afraid this house will be declared a fire hazard. We don't want that, (laughs) Sharon replied, drying her hands on a potholder. This place pushes the limits as it is. Tip, leave it to jo- the entity known as John and Malcolm. Like, they're obviously in the writer's room where they, like, map out these books, and they know that this ends in fire with a book called The Fire at Marianne's House. And they're so fucking excited for that that they take the opportunity in book fucking 93 to foreshadow that 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 cleansing fire. <clears throat> it's not even the only foreshadowing. Yeah. When I opened the door, Christy was standing next to Logan. She was dressed in her trademark sweatshirt and jeans. Her 
Straight brown hair was pulled back in a ponytail, which poked out the back of her baseball cap. They both looked at me a little embarrassed. Have you got a broom handy, Christy asked. What for, I asked. Logan grinned sheepishly. Christy and I decided to take the wreath off your front door. He held up a ring of bare twigs. Then Christy pointed to a pile of brown needles by her feet and winced. The whole thing just fell apart. They both looked so mortified that I burst out laughing. I think the three of us giggled our way through the rest of the afternoon. Every time we tried to get serious, something silly would happen. For example, when Logan found the decorations box in the attic, it wasn't labeled table linens as Sharon thought. It was marked car repair kit. Or when Christy reached to remove an ornament from the branch of the tree and accidentally broke the entire limb off. Marianne is just filling her home. <laughs> with with tinder? With dry kindling. <laughs> just like wantonly. Like, oh, Jesus. The entity was like, they, like they shouldn't, Anne and the Scholastic Lawyer shouldn't have told the entity that the, the series is going to end with everyone burning in a holy fire at Marianne's right. house. Because like, that's all they can focus on. Like the, like the Scholastic Lawyers were like, dude, Guys, it's going to happen, but it's not going to happen for like 40 books. And they're like, can we can we at least fill the house with kindling? <laughs> can we make constant references <laughs> to kindling? Can we prepare the way? <laughs> We're positively too messing at the idea. <laughs> Marianne walks into the attic to get a box of Christmas ornaments, but it's a box of gasoline. <laughs> and Logan trips and he's got a box of strike anywhere matches guys fucking calm down it's gonna happen but let it happen in time Anne has a plan <laughs> Oh, this is why we don't bring you in very often anymore yeah John M. Malcolm wow Tanner we are uh, burning the midnight oil here holy shit <laughs> and I have a shocking amount that I want to talk to you about related to Marianne's locker number. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. What is it? 132. All right. So um, John 13, John 13, 2. No. Well, uh, well, her locker combination is 33, 21, 36, which is a reference to Job. Uh-huh. As you know, specifically, uh, it is a reference to Job 33 verses 21 to 26, which is a very significant passage in in the book of Job, where Job is arguing with somebody about whether God sends afflictions to men and allows suffering uh, for good or whether suffering is, is an evil, uh, which bears directly on this passage. So I thought that was a nice little touch by um, – by the entity, because this is a book that is about suffering and about death and about affliction. Uh, the locker number is 132. Should we start with the Superman reference, or do you want to start with the Shakespeare reference? Let's definitely start with the Superman reference, because I've got a lot of Superman stuff this okay. week. Superman is is referenced in this book, okay. as is Shakespeare, right? The book is about they start a Shakespeare club, and then Amelia dies. This book is about Shakespeare, and it is Superman is also referenced in this in this particular novel. Right, they have a, a picture of Amelia, uh, what they show at their funeral and, and at her funeral, and Marianne says, "Here's Amelia on Earth Day. Remember, she and Don were the main organizers of that event." The picture showed Amelia working at a booth under a sign that read "Daily Planet." 
she was handing out a brochure about recycling to a sixth grader. Daily Planet, for you casuals out there, is, is, is the newspaper that Clark Kent works at. And Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen. Sure. They all work there. Everybody works there. So that's, that's what prepares the, the way for Superman. But this locker number, 132, Tanner, as you probably know, on Earth 132 in the DC universe. I'm listening. On Earth 132, Krypton never exploded and Superman's parents never died. <sighs> that doesn't, well, so get, that doesn't seem very exciting. Well, it's not exciting because then Superman. we miss out on the entire Superman mythos. Well, a lot of cool, interesting. He's just a, he's just an average boy living on Krypton. A lot of interesting stuff does happen. Uh-huh. Um, I just thought that was fucking an incredible parallel for the entity and Anne to draw with this novel, right? Where it's like this is, and then there's the whole thing at the end, yeah, where thousands of people show up to the dedication of this memory garden. That Marianne establishes. Yeah. And they're all wearing black bands with the Superman logo around their arms. Do they have the Superman logo? I miss that. I think so. I think it's a clear reference to the 1993 storyline Funeral for a Friend after Superman is killed by the um, villain Doomsday. Okay. All right. Well, there's... Do you remember? Um, I it... He's killed and he is... Buried, and, and they dedicate a statue to him, a golden statue in the middle of Metropolis, with a, um eagle perched on his arm. And essentially, the entire world shows up, and they're all wearing bands of mourning around their arm with the Superman logo. Oh, that's very resonant with this text. And I thought this, I thought the dedication of the memory garden was a clear nod to that. Well, it's lovely that the entity chose to bring in so many Superman references in this book. Yeah. But at- I didn't understand why everyone in Sony Brook was wearing the black bands around their arm with the S- Superman logo on it, unless it was a direct reference to that. Did you have a passage in mind? I didn't capture it, but I'm pretty sure it was in there. Okay. Well, it it was a beautiful scene. They all they all and then Amelia comes back as like five different Supermen. She comes back as like Cyborg Amelia and Amelia of Steel, who's like covered in steel plating and. Amelia Boy, who's like kind of a young, <laughs> like Kryptonian clone of Amelia. Yeah, yeah. No, that sounds that sounds great. I haven't gotten that far yet. I haven't read ahead. Yeah, uh, but that sounds like that'll be that'll be a lot of fun. that weird Amelia who has like long hair and like Ray Ban like uh, UV glasses on, and then they'll just retcon it so that there was only ever one Amelia. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, that's although Man of Steel sticks around, he becomes kind of a mainstay. Well, that's I'm sorry, Amelia. <laughs> I think it's lovely that they have all of this resonance with the Superman story, and they also have this nod to Earth-132 where all the bad things didn't happen. Mm. Where the parents didn't – Marianne's parents – I mean, Superman's parents didn't die. You say all the bad things didn't happen, but meanwhile, um, on Earth-132, the entire planet has been overrun by supervillains because – they were never granted the gift of Superman to protect them from Lex Luthor and Doomsday and Darkseid and Brainiac. Almost certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, one in, one out. The villains have, have run roughshod over One us. in, one out, Tanner. Uh-oh. Fuck. No, wait. This is good. One in, one out, right? So in, in Earth-132, we get Krypton, but we lose Earth. That's how it goes, right? For, there must be balance. Funeral for a friend, we lose Superman, we get five new Superman. Right. In this book, 
We have one in, one out. Did you fucking catch it? We lose Amelia. We lose Amelia. Let me read you this passage. And we gain... I have sensational news, Claude cried as I ran to join them. Let me guess, I said. You won the lottery, and you were splitting it with the BSC. That's a joke. Marianne's not great at jokes. Better news than that. Claude was beaming. Peaches is pregnant. Again. One in, one out. This time it's for real. This time it's for real. They waited until they were six months pregnant before they told everyone. Yeah. Baby Nation, I don't know if you remember, Peaches was previously pregnant, but they miscarried, sadly. Yeah. But now, this baby's coming. This baby's coming. Tanner, we don't have to talk about Sonnet 132 by Shakespeare, if you don't want to. I'd prefer not to. It's a good one. I feel like we already... It's a dark lady sonnet. Do I I have your interest? Here's... I'm torn. Okay. (laughs) Because you have my interest, but... Marianne's locker number is 132. We know that when uh-huh. Anne puts numbers in text, it's meaningful. Uh-huh. We've talked about Earth 132. Uh-huh. And this locker number has come up in the past. It came up in Logan Likes Mary Ann. It came up in Claudia and the New Girl. It's, uh-huh. it's canon. 132. What's the, what's the lady? The dark lady. There's a, Who's that? In Shakespeare's sonnet cycle, there's... Because Shakespeare comes up in this This book too. is about Shakespeare. So Anne is, Anne is guiding us to Shakespeare. Well, and Jonna and Malcolm, before they were an entity, when they were two humans, their roles in life were that they worked at a Shakespeare theater. Oh, right. That's right. The Globe. They worked at the they Globe. They worked at the Globe. The Big Wooden O. The Big Wooden O, as is referenced in this, in this text. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of Shakespeare resonance. Um, so who's the dark lady? The dark lady, well, nobody knows. There's a lot of speculation. Um, the Sonnet 132 is one of the dark lady sonnets. It's it, the, the theme is basically, uh, the. do you want me to read it to you? Is it long? It's a sonnet. You know exactly how long it is. It's 14 lines. Yeah, of course. Of course I know that. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, man. 14 brief lines. I knew that. Okay. Hit me. All right. You want me to read it to me? You want me to look at you while I read it? I don't. Okay. Do you have it memorized? No. Thine eyes I love, and they, as pitying me, knowing thy heart torments me with disdain, have put on black and loving mourners be, looking with pretty ruth upon my pain. And truly not the morning sun of heaven better becomes the gray cheeks of the east, nor that full star that ushers in the even doth half that glory to the sober west. As those two morning eyes become thy face, oh, let it then as well beseem thy heart to mourn for me since morning doth thee grace and suit thy pity like in every part. Then will I swear beauty herself is black and all they foul that thy complexion lack. Would you get out of it? Frightening. Frightening resonance. Is there a Superman villain who has black eyes? <laughs> the premise of the sonnet, I will tell you while you were Googling that, I assume that these things are connected. The premise of the sonnet is that the dark lady to whom Shakespeare is speaking has black eyes, and the reason that they are black is because they are dressed in mourning uh, for him and for his unrequited love. What do you got for me, man? Oh, Solomon Grundy. <laughs> Born on a Monday. Uh-huh. Died on a Tuesday. What's his thing? That's, well, he, let me, 
let me read you a sonnet. Okay. May I? Yeah, please. This is a, a ten-line sonnet, so a little untraditional, but um, I think still still holds. Okay. Uh, Solomon Grundy. It definitely doesn't if it's ten lines. Born on a Monday, christened on a Tuesday, married on Wednesday, took ill on Thursday, grew worse on Friday, died on Saturday, buried on Sunday. That was the end of Solomon Grundy. Hmm. Not much of a villain, really. Well, he's um, he comes back. He's sort of he's like Hulk, except a zombie, and he can't die and always comes back, no matter how many times um, Superman or the other heroes of DC disembowel and bury him. Mm-hmm. He always comes back. Bring it back to the text. I can, I can. Solomon, uh, the the Dark Lady is Solomon Grundy. Solomon Grundy's a Superman villain. Marianne's locker. <clears throat> Amelia funeral for a friend. Secret memory garden. You're just saying stuff now. It's all connected. There, it's a tenuous. Here's what I can do for you. Complex web that Anne and Jana and Malcolm. Here's what I can do leave. for you, Tanner. Did mm-hmm. you catch this fucking weird ass passage? In quotes. The first word is in quotes. Son. Okay. That's the passage. In quotes. Son. Somebody is saying uh-huh. son. S U N. S U N. I blinked my eyes at the unfamiliar glare. I wasn't dreaming. It actually was sunlight streaming through my window. This next word is also in quotes. Yes! Yes! It was almost as if winter had ended and spring had arrived. I leaped out of bed and almost clicked my heels as I hurried to my closet. Of course, man. It's all coming together. Yeah? I get it. The pieces have all fallen into place, finally. Okay. Superman derives his powers from the sun from earth's yellow sun oh okay on krypton they have a red sun and it doesn't affect them but here on earth we have a yellow sun soul and it gives him it grants him power okay well that makes a ton of sense and that's why that this is a superman book this is all a superman allegory well this is you know it makes sense with who barry ann is right so let's go back to the the Stussy Scholastic roleplay and do it all over again. Jonna and Malcolm, it's me, um, Tyler Oakenfeld again. Hello, Tyler. Uh, I want to tell a Superman story. Mm, yes, <laughs> very good. Uh, he recently died and came back as five dudes, mm, but uh, mm. I feel like this is really our opportunity to take that IP and run with it. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll kill him. Doomsday will kill him. <laughs> that already happened. What do you mean? He came back as five men. Um, I mean, one's a we'll call it but... the death of Superman. No, that already happened too. It happened right before Funeral for a Friend. Okay, here's my <laughs> my final offer. Uh huh. It's about Marianne, and one of her friends dies, and I'll I'll put some Superman stuff kind of in. <laughs> Just in between. So if someone's reading this in like, like before the funeral. 20 years, they'll, the 30 years, they'll pick it yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Run with this. Most of the book is a funeral. <laughs> a lot of the book is a funeral. Jack. Yeah. Speaking of funerals. Yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. I know you did, mm-hmm. but I want to hear it. Did you have a. moment. Uh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, many. This is a book about the death of uh, uh, 
talented young woman. It's about a life cut short in its prime. It is a tearful moment. It's all that the entity knows how to do. But um, within it, I feel like is is one pure tearful moment. One pure tearful moment. Uh, summed up in many individual moments, uh, not least the fact that uh, one of the only facts that we know about Amelia Freeman is that she had a beloved stuffed rabbit named Nibs. Mm. that she has slept with since she was a baby and they have a picture of it that they hold up at the funeral of Amelia clutching her rabbit named Nibs but the tearfulest she she, she loved the, the Olive Garden <laughs> oh no she loved the Olive Garden when you're here your family as They'll long as be you're family not again. dead they can't they can't go back to the Olive Garden anymore oh fuck they can't the go Freemans. back to the they're, they're gonna go to the Olive Garden and the Olive Garden waiter is gonna be like uh, alright cool well, it looks like you're just waiting for one more like I know that you have a sister Josh <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you as soon as she arrives. I, I see that you're clutching the rabbit nibs, uh, yeah. but I know that the nibs, because we are the Olive Garden, we know who your family is. We have records. And we know that nibs, according to these records, belongs to someone called Amelia. So once Amelia is here, we'll be willing to seat you. That's <sighs> not the tearful moment. That is sad. Yeah. But that is not. It is sad to think the about The true that. tearful moment this week, but it sounds like you and I captured the same one, so I'm going to let you take it. The t- tearfulest moment, the only, the only true, 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 deep tearful moment this week, Tanner, which I imagine you captured as well, was... Yeah, it is, it is the one. The speech that Josh Freeman gives. Yep. At the dedication to Amelia's memory garden, and it begins as follows. Do you want to cue up some soulful music, sir? Near, far, wherever you okay. are. Okay, all right, good. Thank you, thank you. Do you want me thank to you. keep saying, it was, will it help you read the passage if I, I don't quietly want... sing Celine Dion's um, My Heart Will Go On? Um, I, I'll, I'll just do, I'll tell you what, I'll just do it. Okay, cool. And if it doesn't work, will you, put it, will you fucking patch in some other music in the background? Mm, I don't know if I could promise. Okay. All right. Well, sing it quietly because I'm going to need to read this in. It's very affecting and tragic. Jesus. There's the whole flute thing at the beginning. I normally... Okay, thank you. I would normally say no singing because I don't like it when you sing and I don't think anyone likes it when you sing and I don't think you should sing. But it is appropriate for you to sing... And My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion as I read the saddest passage in the saddest book in the Babysitter's Club series. Every night in my dreams I see you I feel you And now Josh Freeman would like to say a few words. I had been holding up pretty well during most of the ceremony but the sight of Josh looking so earnest and young, brought me to tears. Mr. and Mrs. Freeman stood on either side of their son as he made his short speech. My family would like to thank the school board, Stony Brook Middle School, and the Burkhoffs for their generous donations. And we would like to express our special love and thanks to Marianne Spear for thinking of this idea in the first place 
There was more applause. Josh smiled at me. And even though my face was burning, I managed to smile back. And Barbara Hirsch for helping to make it happen. Barbara, who had taken her seat behind the podium, waved to Josh in the crowd. In closing, I would like to thank someone who can't be here to accept your applause, Josh said. Someone who was always willing to listen when I needed to talk. Someone who made sure I was included in her friend's games. Someone who was never ashamed to tell me she loved me. I clutched Logan's hand so hard my nails dug into his skin. I'd like to thank my sister. Josh turned to his parents who were smiling proudly through their tears. We love you, Amelia. And we will always miss you. I cried. I think everyone did. Near, far, wherever you are, I believe that the heart does go on. Okay, we must, we have to. Once more, open the door and you're here in my heart and my heart will go on and on powerful powerful stuff yeah that's gonna be fun to edit powerful music collaboration there yeah it was beautiful it was really it was actually made it a lot easier for me to read that passage in a heartfelt way with hearing your beautiful um, acapella <laughs> uh, in my ears the whole time. I couldn't hear myself talk or think. No, you don't need to. Um, but I felt the music. I felt the music in me. And it was it was swelling up within you. Yeah. It was bringing out these emotions. Yeah. Let's see. I've got three things Let's I want to say to you. Let's I've see. got three things yeah, I want to say to you, and then we'll do our bird things. of the week. I want to say them just. In- you want to do three things and your bird of the week? Yes. I just want to say them real fucking fast because it's important. One of the pictures with uh, Amelia is she's holding her rabbit nibs. It's very sad. Here's another one. Chrissy turned the book for me to see. There was a photo of Amelia in the talent show with Barbara. They were dressed as a Raggedy Ann and Andy. Flashing big grins at the audience. Did you see that? They're dressed as dolls. That's number one. Tanner, listen to me. Listen to number two. Marianne's grandmother we learned this week for the first time is called Verna Baker. Tanner. Got it. Tanner, do you know what bakers make? Do you know what bakers make? I'm going to save the third thing for after this because I need to talk to you about it. Burn the week! That was the longest buildup to a burning week ever. Uh, did you like have I one? To, I had to bring you there. I had to take you by the hand, and I had to bring you. I didn't really have one, but did you? I had one. My burn was on art this week. Okay, let's hear it. On art in general? On You, you know who did a real burn on art was uh, Arthur Danto, the famous uh, art critic who uh, wrote about the, the death of art. It's really interesting. 
It's kind of a burn on art because it says that art died at the end of um, at the end of the uh, modern era. Who is Rube Goldberg? He was a cartoonist who made wacky inventions, Claude replied. Rube Goldberg created these funny contraptions. For instance, a ping pong ball rolls down a tube, runs into a domino that falls into a button that starts a water wheel that knocks over a few things, then runs into an empty army boot that kicks a bucket. All of this to turn on a lamp or something. Stacy and I looked at each other again, trying hard not to laugh. Oh, that, Rube Goldberg, I said. Of course, we burst into giggles, which made Claudia huffy. Well, for your information, he has... He was very famous, and sculptures of his inventions are at museums around the world and are worth millions. I believe you, I said, struggling to keep a straight face. It's just that the idea of an old army boot kicking a bucket over, being famous and worth lots of money makes me laugh. Claudia thought about this for a second, then a smile crept across her face. You're right. It is funny. In fact, it's ridiculous. That's why I love it. Gordon Brown popped his head into our group. I hope you're not discussing our English project, because... The word ridiculous makes me nervous. Don't worry, Gordon. I gestured towards the box Claudia held in her arms. We're discussing art. <laughs> oh, Gordon nodded. That makes sense then. <laughs> burn, burn on, on Rube Goldberg. <laughs> burn on burn on art. The artistic medium. Painting, sculpture, performance art. Fourteen uh, line sonnets. Anything that could be classified as the arts. Ridiculous. Burn. According to Gordon Brown, ex-Prime Minister of the United (laughs) Kingdom. Ridiculous. Let's cut funding for the arts. What's the last, what's the third thing of three you wanted to discuss? I'll tell you. This is Marianne talking to her therapist. Amelia. Marianne is a therapist. Marianne is a therapist. We didn't get into it. Tanner was too distraught to describe this book to you, and I didn't have a big bad clock. Right. Amelia invited us to go out to dinner with her. We joked about her dad's Volkswagen being too small to carry all of us. But Amelia genuinely wanted us to come with her that night. I looked at Dr. Reese and shivered. Do you think if we'd gone, we would have been in that accident? Tanner, Marianne was supposed to be in that car. Okay, I get it. Marianne was supposed to be. to the Final Destination (laughs) sort of school of logic. So now death is stalking her and all of her friends. Yes. And we'll come up with more and more elaborate and gruesome ways to kill her. Certainly. Certainly. Mm. Such as filling her house with tinder and gasoline. Right. Or um, she'll be driving down the road and a complex series of accidents will cause a big pillar of wood to shoot through her head. Certainly if Jonna and Malcolm keep writing these books. She'll be, um, she'll be walking down the sidewalk and a, a plate of glass will fall from a a crane and crush her. She'll put her hand in the garbage disposal and it'll accidentally turn on. Right, and grind her up from the hand down. Ugh. This is gonna be this is gonna get we know we're we're approaching the end. I mean we're still forty books out, but we're approaching the home stretch. It's gonna get gruesome. But they're trying to kill off Marianne. They already got Amelia. John and Malcolm tried. I'm sure in the first draft, John and Malcolm were like "Uh, Amelia Marianne, Christy, Jesse, uh, and and uh, and Marianne's mother all go in the car with with Amelia's family. And the Scholastic's and like, like Marianne's like, mother's already dead. Guys, let's <laughs> guys. She's been dead the whole time, guys. You need really need to fo- hey focus up. Yeah, you know whatever. This is maybe this is the book about the Earth one thirty two where Marianne survives. I doubt it. Tanner, let's get the fuck out of here. Let's mm. leave.
Let's get the fuck out of here. Let's go fast and furious because we've been recording for a very long time. We've been recording for a very long time. It's very late at night. Some of us are sleepy. There's no happy reading. There's no uh, happy yes, reading in this book. There's a happy reading section. Anne doesn't say happy reading. She encourages you to donate to SAD, and I encourage you, Baby Nation, to donate to SAD. Uh, and I also encourage you to donate to SAD. And Baby Nation, if it doesn't sound mercenary after just saying that, we also encourage you to s- subscribe and review to our, <laughs> <laughs> review our podcast. Do all three. Do 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 those things, and recommend the podcast to a friend. Uh, if all four you like of those it, things. Uh, your friends might like it. Uh, so start with let, reviewing let the podcast, then rate it, then subscribe, then donate to Sad. Yeah, and then do- recommend the show to a friend. Recommend the show to a friend. In fact, in fact, let me amend that: review, rate, subscribe, recommend, donate to Sad. Baby Nation, this week. We read a book, and it was called Marianne and the Memory Garden, and it was a fucking bummer. Next week, we're going to be reading a little book called Stacy. Yes, Claudia and Peaches has a baby. Next week, we're going to be reading a book called Stacy McGill, a super sitter. Or is it Stakey? Might be Stakey. It could be Stakey. It might be Supper Sitter. Oh, Stakey McGill, Supper Sitter. That makes a lot of sense. Right. She sits on someone's supper. And it's steak. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that makes a lot more sense. That makes a lot more sense. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to figuring out who the steaky character is. This week, Baby Nation, I have been and always will be America's favorite Babysitter's Club critic and expert and scholar, Jack Alexander Shepard. And I'm Tanner Greenring. This week, Baby Nation, do remember. To round off the corners in your bedroom, drown all your dolls, call your senator and demand your right to bear time. And don't forget to let daddy love you as much as I do. If you are a sovereign citizen, you are not being detained and you are free to go. What's in (laughs) the box? Claudia's wearing a bra now and the way she talks, you would think the boys had just been invented. I want to get right down to business. I don't want any distractions today. We have a very serious book, and we have a lot to discuss. I hope there's nothing impeding you from bringing your all to this week's episode. No. As as a new father, uh um, I'm particularly affected by some of the profound and difficult issues that were raised in this immensely tragic tale. And uh, like you, I am fully ready to commit entirely to uh, this recording right here, right now, and be in this space with you uh, and with the Baby Nation as we as we work through this difficult time. I'm noticing, mm-hmm. uh, I'm picking up on my camera, a fleshy sort of mound mm-hmm. That's in, your, in your lap. Yeah. Sort should... of a, a dome of flesh. I feel like this is maybe something to bring up with a doctor. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. It seems like you maybe should have brought it up with a doctor about 11 months ago. Oh, more like 12 now. <laughs> 12 months. Sarah, do you want to say that... something for the you want to say something for the baby nation? Does he speak yet? Sometimes he squirps.
Squirks. He squawks. Squirk, Maybe squirk. just like squeeze him a little. No, that's uh, that's child abuse. Just like a little around <laughs> the belly. I can't and won't, Mister Squirrel. Okay. If you want, if you want to say something, now's the time. He's sitting here in front of the mic, Baby Nation. He's sitting right in front of the mic. He's not saying anything. Does now, Jack? Does it hurt to know that your baby's not a born podcaster? It's deeply troubling. <laughs> Though, in fairness, I feel like the first few episodes, it's similar to what my style was. I get he's not he's not taking to it. You got to You got to fill dead air, squirrel. You know how they throw a baby in water and it's in like instinctually knows. How I'm to telling swim? you, I'm not going to throw the baby in water. Well, squeeze it at least. Let's get something out of this damn baby. It can't swim. It doesn't make any damn sound. Squirrel, do you have anything you want to say? Where are we are looking? You and I, Tanner, are babysitters today. We are looking after my child until my wife can get some food in her and finish watching her her stories. Mm. Squirrel, do you want to say something for the for the microphone while we have you? It's not. It's it's a it's a fucking audio medium, dude. Audio medium, it's idiot. A, it's an audio medium, Mister. Is he um, finally to the age that he can see things? Yeah, he can see. He can see his Uncle Tanner if I hold him close. Hey, squirrel, look at this. Bada bing. <laughs> Tanner did that. I didn't did know a, what to do. A, he did a, he did a <laughs> bada bing motion with his hand. Kids love that. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I'm not good. I'm not great around kids. This is why Tanner is banned from babysitting in 49 states. <laughs> Jack? Yeah. Are we just killing time until your wife comes? I kind of think so. I could I could like lie him on the No, let's just let's hit pause. Okay. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>